Well, good morning. I bet Sean Vice is out there somewhere. This is Paul Carruthers from Moto America, and this is our Off Track podcast, which we do on a weekly basis, talking about all things Moto America. We usually throw in a guest just to put somebody on the hot seat and take some of the pressure off of uh, myself and Sean. And today our guest is uh, Jackson Blackman, who's a Junior Cup racer. He's been in the KTM RC Cup almost from the time we started. I think he started in 2016, and that is now the Junior Cup. And uh, Jackson's been in that class the entire time, and it'll be fun to talk to him. But uh, first, let's start with you, Sean. How, how's your day going? It's, it's raining here in Southern California. It makes me question why I spend all the money to live here. But then <laughs> tomorrow it'll be nice, and then I'll be okay again. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing well. It's uh, it must be a big cloud because it's raining here in Ohio too. So uh, we'll we'll have to find out if it's raining for Jackson. But um, so hey, one thing I want to talk to you about. So a lot of people know, most people know that before becoming communications manager for Moto America, you were with Cycle News as their editor for thirty years, and and you know we they they. If they've been paying attention to these podcasts, and a lot of fans have, because we're we're getting great numbers from our fans as far as people listening, but uh, they probably recall that we talked to your dad and David Anthony, and I was uh, I was the the I don't know how to put it, except that I was surrounded by three Australians at the time and uh, didn't know what to do, so um, that was tricky. But we got to learn about your dad being a world champion and working with with Kenny Roberts um, for a long time. So one of the things I want you to talk about, which uh, there's a reason I want to talk to you about this, but something that a lot of people don't know is uh, you were on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson at one point. Can you tell us about that ex- that experience, what that was all about? Well, actually, it was um, – that's funny you asked that. Guy, it seems It's such a long time ago. I was, I was freaking younger <laughs> than Jackson Blackman at the time. But it was actually, it was actually uh, Bill Cosby was the guest host. I mean, Johnny Carson would be there most of the time, but then as you, if you, you, you would have watched the show. He was always, he was gone as well. And he'd have guest hosts. Right. The night yeah. I was on there, it was with, uh, it was with Bill Cosby. Um, God knows what he was doing in the back room at that time, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I think I was probably like, I don't know, 12 or 13, but Yamaha came out with these BMX bikes, um, bicycles. And they had, they actually had a series. It was called the Gold Cup or something. So I raced in a couple of those. I obviously, because my dad worked for Yamaha, I was able to get my hands on on one of the bikes, and uh, and that was my that was my bicycle. I mean, I I rode that thing everywhere, and we'd set up BMX tracks, and like I said, we raced them a little bit. And Yamaha was promoting that bicycle, and they needed some kids to go on the Tonight Show, and. Luckily, um, they thought of me, and I got to go do that. So it was, it was pretty cool. And somewhere I still have the. Uh, they actually paid me, so I think they, I think I made like four hundred bucks, which back then for a <laughs> wow. for a little yeah. for a, for a little kid, it was a lot of money. But the cool part was, is like I got a check from the Tonight Show. So somewhere <laughs> in all my stuff or my parents' stuff, there's actually a paycheck stub. So I need to find that. <laughs> I'm going to go see them on Mother's Day, so maybe I can dig it up. Oh, you got to do it. I have looked everywhere. I've tried to find that thing on YouTube thinking there would be a segment. I think probably because of who is the guest host, (laughs) maybe they've wiped it out of the the memory of the Tonight Show or something. um, Yeah, as much as I'd like to see it, 
it would it would be fun to see, but I'm not sure if I'd want everyone to see it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> what it, how how good it was. They had they had like little ramp jumps and stuff set up on the stage, so we actually rode the bike on the stage, That's and then awesome. and then and then we sat in the in the chairs there with uh, oh what was the what was the co-host guy? Mc, uh, McMahon, oh. right? Yeah, Ed McMahon. Okay, Ed I McMahon. didn't know if he'd so be we, off too. Yeah, yeah, we sat on the couch and he was there and. I, I actually got to be the on the couch closest to Bill Cosby, so I don't know, maybe I was the <laughs> oldest or something, but they I was they nominated me as like the the speaker of the group. So it was pretty cool. It was uh that, it's a good memory. It's very cool. Well it's funny because you know, those bikes, those moto bikes that Yamaha had, they only had them from like I think seventy-four through seventy-six. And uh, we, you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, of course, they had the suspension on the front of them. Some of them were orange and some of them were yellow. Did you have a yellow one? No, I had an orange one. Oh, um, wow. I don't know, those are I don't, even rarer. I don't know what I rode that night. I don't know if they, they probably had both colors there. But the yeah. four, I mean, the problem with the bike was, A, it was a little heavier because I think the forks were basically like off a Yamaha Mini Enduro. They were um, exactly, and then yeah. and then it had rear suspension that was pretty soft. So when you pedaled, you know, you'd lose a lot of that pedal stroke just on the from the stroke of the rear shock. But damn, That's I cool. mean, you could jump those things over trash cans all day long and just be, you know, it was nice <laughs> to have suspension. That was cool. So good stuff. So the re the reason I bring it up, um, and this has to do with last year, we went up to that. Uh, velodrome that was um in pennsylvania um when we did the new jersey round and that was kind of in honor of brian Durber, uh who had passed away last year but the reason i bring all this up is because uh jackson blackman who lives in rock hill south carolina and i would hope he knows about this place if not we'll let him know but there's an area called riverwalk in the rock hill outdoor center and it's a thousand acre mixed use um area and it has kayaking and hiking mountain biking but it also has this Giordana velodrome that the city of Rock Hill partnered with Giordana to create. So it's they have one of those velodromes, an outdoor one, just like the one that we went to in Pennsylvania. And they also have the Rock Hill BMX Supercross track. And in 2017, they actually had the World BMX Championship there or something. So um, so let's you introduce or bring in Jackson. And then I want to ask him, you know, I'm sure that he's, he would be familiar with this. I'm just curious if he's ever been on the velodrome or not. So uh, let's see, well, find out. Well, let, let, let me give you a little history on Jackson. Um, I made some notes on him, obviously, 2016 in the, in the KTM Cup. He was just a little kid. I bet he was probably 14 at the time. Um, he finished seventh in the championship, and uh, he finished fifth four times. The next year, 2017, he actually finished fourth in the championship, and he had three wins and seven podiums. Um, last year was the first year of the Junior Cup, and um, he finished sixth in the championship with, a, with two podiums. This year, he's third in the championship, and he already has one podium, uh, which we'll talk to him about, which was at our most recent round in, uh, in VIR. Jackson actually crossed the finish line first, but then uh, we, I guess race control uh, had noticed that he'd started from his original grid position in the red flag race, which he wasn't supposed to. He was supposed to start at the back because he, uh, he was late going out on the siding lap. So he ended up getting docked a spot, but still finished second. So I, it, surprisingly, I thought it, when I saw him in the, in, in, the, in the podium area there, I thought, oh, man, this kid's going to be losing his mind. But I got there, and he was all smiles and happy. And, and as you saw in the press conference, he wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He was just, I think he was just pumped 
to actually have gotten through that day um, and finished, you know, even finishing second, even though technically he must feel like he won. And I think everybody who watched the race realizes that he did win. But anyhow, so let's uh, let's bring Jackson in and you can find out what he knows about where he lives and and see if he knows any of that stuff that you just happened to throw out because you spent the night on Google. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jackson. How are you? What's up, Paul? How's it going? <laughs> ah, it's all good. How are you? Uh, not feeling the greatest. I had a little uh, sinus infection yesterday, so I probably sound a little bit weird. We, that's just your accent, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little mix of it. My nose is a little <laughs> stuffy, so I'm not sure how I sound on the phone, but I'm trying my best. No, you sound so, good. You'd... So, Paul said it. it's raining in San Diego, or raining where he is. He's not in San Diego. Sorry, Paul. Um, well, raining in Southern California, uh, and it's raining here in Central Ohio. Is it raining in South Carolina right now? Yep, same for me. Well, that oh, is a big man. cloud. Wow. So, so tell us about. Tell us about. Uh, do you know anything about this? Have you been on the velodrome thing, or have you done the BMX uh, course at all? Do you know about it? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's it's really popular here. It's uh, got to be like the biggest attraction for Rock Hill. In 2017, when they had the World Qualifier race there, um, every store I went to was packed. And so I actually looked up like the how many people attended the event. And Rock Hill's population is like 70 or 80,000. And there was 60,000 people just at that, that one uh, BMX track. <laughs> Wow. wow. We hey That's we should have given you we should have given you like Moto America stickers and you could have had if you could get sixty thousand of those people to come to Moto America, I'd pay you money. <laughs> That'd be a good deal. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So did you go to the event and see it? Yeah, it was it was packed though. I mean it was so much trouble to park and get in there. It would have been better to to ride my bike from here like six, seven miles in there. Is that is that how close you are to that area? Wow, you really are rating Rock Hill then. Yeah, and that uh, Riverwalk place you're talking about earlier, I go up there and run a lot because they have a nice little trail beside the river, and uh, they got a good uh, couple of fishing spots over there too. Oh, did you know? Hey, Sean, did you know one thing about this kid is like, like fishing's his favorite thing. He's always telling me how good he is at fishing. And really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I don't I I I'm not. I mean, I've fished a few times. Most, it, whenever I've fished, I've mostly just caught a buzz. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, like I, I have fished a few times, and I'm like, okay, big deal. Like, how do you become a good fisherman? You throw the thing in the water, and you sit there, and you have a beer until something bites on it. But apparently, <laughs> you know, Jackson's always telling me what a great fisherman he is, and he wants me to go fishing over there. So I, I don't. What, 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 what makes a good fisherman? You catch more fish. Yeah, you, you you gotta know the local spots. That's all we're well, in. Like, you can't let you can't let anybody know your secret fishing spot. So you gotta find out what works at the at the different ponds, and then uh, I, I guess once you kind of, it's not that uh, complicated. I mean, uh, really thinking about, it, I don't know if it's uh, really that hard, but uh, it's kind of fun when uh, you try and reel it in and and I'm always kind of scared to grab the fish. <laughs> so when I grab it in there and it starts twitching and going all crazy, I'm just trying to hold on to it. 
and take a quick picture and throw it back. What kind of fish would it be? What what uh, kind of bass? What? Is it bass? Yeah, mainly just largemouth bass out here. Maybe some brim. So I would think a big part of fishing would be getting the bait right. Right. Yeah, you got a. Uh, at at my con at my friend Connor's pond like a mile down the road. <laughs> Sorry, uh we use uh these uh Gary Yamamoto pink Sankos. I don't know why it's the, the pink ones, but they work good and then you wacky rig it so it's right in the middle of the hook and put a little <laughs> little weight on there. Like a little uh uh one eighth of a pound or whatever. And uh you throw that thing out and then just kinda Jerk it a little bit as you reel it in, and then it gets them every time. Did you say wacky rig? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> okay, so you lay the, the worm flat, or the fake worm, and then you put the hook straight in the middle of it. Just straight in the middle, so it's uh, even on both sides. And when you jerk it at the bottom of the water, then it like simulates it like moving around. Oh, so it's wiggling, so it thinks it's real and alive, and it attracts yeah. it, and it goes, bites it, and then you, it bites onto the hook, and then you pull the thing in the boat, or on the shore. Yeah. Okay, I yeah, think I know pretty... everything I need to know about fishing, then. Well, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty good, though, Jackson, because you're not just using, like, live bait. Um, you're using lures and, and not real bait, so you are pretty uh, adept at being a fisherman, then. You know the stuff to get to, to, get to attract them, and... They they fight, don't they? A largemouth bass. They're pretty fun on a, on the line, aren't they? Yeah, I just use synthetic bait because I don't like messing with those those worms. Man, them things are nasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't want to take the fish off the hook, I can imagine you don't want to touch a an actual worm either. Sounds like you're not that part of it's not too much fun for you. So <laughs> yeah. that's pretty good. I wonder which one's more pissed, the worm or the fish. <laughs> Probably the worm if it's getting eaten. I mean, although it's you know it's it's all part of the circle of life. Do you eat the the uh, largemouth bass when you catch them? You put them back. What do you do, Jackson? Uh, definitely not at the pond I go to. I, I wouldn't eat that thing. I mean, we have <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, we have one time before we cut up and uh, his parents came out. It's like, what are y'all doing eating a largemouth bass like this? There's no point in that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we threw it on the grill and we tried a piece and it wasn't too good. <laughs> so you do it for the sport, not necessarily for the food then. I get it. That makes sense. Okay, so Jackson, let's let's talk a little bit about VIR. Um, you know, when I think back at it, I think you've broken every rule we've had. <laughs> so I think, I think you... I, no, I know you've jumped the start. I know you've had a spit pit lane violation. Now you've gone lined up in the wrong spot. Um, do you, you know, maybe you, maybe you want to spend a little time with that rule book in the winter. Yeah, you know, I, I figured the <laughs> uh, the rules are made to be broken, so <laughs> it makes it a little more exciting when I come in and everybody's like, "Did he actually do good? Or does he have a penalty this time?" Or <laughs> right, did he really no, but... win or did he cheat again? <laughs> no, tell I, us, it was an honest. It was a honest mistake at at VR. I uh, tell us I'm what happened. I, tell us the story. Yeah, so I uh, the first lap of the race, I went from ninth to second, 
in, in, in turn one. And as we started to make it to about turn four, I realized it was wet. But I saw Dallas was still going and didn't see red flags. So I just tried to, I was just going with him and kind of throwing my hands up like we need to do something because somebody's going to eat it. Not knowing that there had been like three or four people behind me that were crashing. And uh, I made it, <laughs> made it down to the last turn, just cracked the gas and was lost the rear. And then got up and was saw the bike broken and was like, man, this is going to suck driving home, thinking about like how we were in a podium spot. And then somehow we got the bike together just in time. And they declared it a wet race, even though it wasn't raining. And so the team and I thought, well, there's big clouds coming. We'd be better to run rains in the dry on these bikes than, uh, than slicks in the rain. So we threw them on. And I made it out for the warm-up lap, but missed the siding lap, so I wasn't aware that if you missed the siding lap, you had to start last, which uh, was an honest mistake. I just I need to get the rule book and understand it better. But um, yeah, so then I I raced, and of course, you know, everybody was mainly on slick, so I got out front, had a nice gap, and then you know it felt like a MotoGP coming across the line, like that was my first win since. Like, shoot, almost two years ago. <clears throat> so it, it was, felt really good. I even threw a little stand-up wheelie come out of turn three. was feeling all stoked. And then came in, and they put the bike in P2, and I was like, what? Are you, are you joking? <clears throat> and um, then I found out what I had done wrong. But uh, I was a little frustrated, but couldn't complain because, you know, 30 minutes before, I was on the ground with zero points. And after that podium, we we went from like eighth to third the championship like that. So it was it was a really productive weekend. So well, I have a question about the whole situation on the grid, and I honestly don't know the answer to this. So I don't know if I'm you know inten- unintentionally criticizing our own fi- officials, but don't the officials on the grid put you in the right starting spot, How, or am I wrong about that? Um. Well. You get a grid sheet normally before the race, but that's for when uh, you know everybody makes a siding lap and warm up lap and everything. But um, since I made my own error with missing the siding lap, nobody was supposed to tell me. Yeah, it wasn't so much that he. It wasn't so much that he um, that he was going to the wrong spot. It was the fact that he was late and then he couldn't go to the right. You know, he wasn't supposed to go to the right spot. Oh, I it wasn't it wasn't anything to do. It wasn't anything to do with the red flag or him crashing or anything. If he would have if he would have if he would have made the siding lap in time, he would have been gridded. He would have gone been able to grid where he where he ultimately did grid and he would have been fine. It was the fact that he was late from the siding. lap, Similar to what Rocco Landers did the day before. Gotcha. Um, Okay. You know, that's the penalty for being late. So which was interesting. I mean, I thought it was funny that the kid. Well, funny in a way. I get probably wasn't funny at the time for his parents and and him, but the fact that he actually was late to the start because he just wasn't ready. <laughs> like he didn't, he hadn't gotten his leathers and stuff on early enough, and and you know that's why he was penalized. So Jackson was a little different. Jackson actually um, passed the pace car, which I'm pretty sure that's probably not allowed either. But he did it, and so in his mind, he's like, "Oh, I'm good to go, bro. I'm just going right up to the front line. And we'll smoke these boys." And you know, he did, but then suffered the consequences for it. But that's kind of how that works. But you know, uh, I really loved that uh, in the Mid America Live Plus. As I went across the line, everybody said that I had won. 
and so I, I still like that part but before they say oh wait he didn't but uh that was pretty cool well it's funny because we did a, we're doing a highlight video from the class <laughs> right. and luckily luckily sean was looking at the video because we were writing a caption for it i hadn't even looked at the video sean's watching the video and he's like hey this this doesn't even show that the other kid won so we had to uh we had to redo it so that it or otherwise it would have been Jackson Blackman winning the race and nobody would have known any different. So we had to fix it to make sure that, uh, that Cameron got his, uh, just due that he did actually win it. So it was a little confusing, but I think we got it straightened out. Yeah, it was weird. I had, I had written, I had said in, and Cameron Jones emerged as the winner and I'm watching the video and there's absolutely nothing about Cameron Jones. It's, it's all about you winning. And I'm like, Oh wait, we can't run this. So it's not just that my, my caption's right, but the video wasn't accompanying it. So, yeah, we had to re-edit the end of it. But, hey, I want to ask you, one of the new wrinkles this year for Junior Cup is that you guys have slicks, and it came into play with this race. How do you feel about having the slicks? Do you feel like you're faster when you have them? And it kind of adds an interesting strategy with, like, a situation where it's a, a race like you guys had. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, you know um... – I really like the slicks because I'm more of a, a rider that's, uh, you know, spends a lot of time on the edge of the tire trying to, you know, or all of us out there trying to carry a lot of speed. And, of course, the better the tires, the more deeper we can go in on the brakes, harder we can get on the gas, more lean angle. And uh, But it does make it a little tricky, or it would have been tricky on any tires in that race except for rains with it being a little bit wet. Um, it would have been a big risk trying to run DOTs also. but um, you know, I really like the tires, and uh, I think the tires are going to be really good when we can finally get on uh, my new R3 with the uh, with the big forks and the, the race kit, because um, we've still been riding last year's bike, so we really haven't got the dial and the setup for the slicks yet. we just kind of been riding the same thing. Yeah, are you going to have that bike at Road America? We're going to try our best, too. Okay. What does that mean, try your best? You know that you either are or you're not. You don't just try your best. You need to get dad. What's what's the holdup, dad or you? Um, I mean, I can't really run the shop on my own. The shop uh has been a little behind here, but it's better than being uh too caught up. So my dad's been having to work all day and then spend the you night need to on tell the motorcycle dad stuff. If you end up being MotoGP world champion, he won't need the damn shop anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So he needs um, to get his priorities right. Yeah. So I have a question about the new bike. I know um, the one you have now. So Yamaha has a race kit for that bike. Uh, and then I think there is a, the new bike has a different race kit, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know that you can take the race kit and put it on the new bike. Can you – is that is that correct, Jackson? Um. I'm actually not too sure with the motor stuff. Um, my dad knows more about that stuff, but he normally doesn't tell me anything. Like at the beginning of the weekend, he's like, How, how's this thing running? Because he told me we had the race kit in. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, man, this thing's fast. Like I can get up close to him. And he's like, okay, we didn't, we didn't put the race kit in. But oh. we didn't want to tell you, so then you ride different because that's all mental for me. So I was like, dang, this thing runs good. And then he comes in and says, it's not even in there. And I was like, well, dang, once we get that thing in, it's going to be a big difference. Because right now I just 
I just can't drive by those guys. So at Road America, it's going to be tough because I can stay in the draft, but I can't drive by them. And so at Road America, it's going to be like a sitting duck. That's so funny because I actually asked you during the weekend and you had, you, I mean, obviously you didn't know any different. So you very confidently said, yeah, we have the race kit in this. And it made me think about what it was going to be like when you switch bikes, because from what I understand that a lot of that new bike, it's more about the handling than it is about the speed or the power in the engine and everything. So oh, your, your dad's threw you a fast one there. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Whatever makes me uh, think the right way. <laughs> right. Right. That's funny. Now your dad puts in a lot of time, I know, and I, I see I see that you've also he's put you to work in the shop. I mean, this isn't this is by no means and I think people probably d don't necessarily realize this, but it but it's a family affair and it's a it's a hell of a lot of work for you and your dad just to make these races and to to be as competitive as you are. I mean, hey, how much what what does he work during the day at his at at his job and then kind of sneak in work on the side on the bikes or how does he how does that how does he make that work for you because I know it's a lot of work for him. So he actually uh, owns uh, his own business, uh, Finish Line Machine, a bunch of CNC machines, and so uh, <laughs> it's actually on our property. And so, uh, you know, we'll pretty much wake up, go out there and work since I'm uh, graduated. I graduated early through online school, and so I got there and work. And then uh, when work is done, or I mean, it's never really done, because sometimes I work first shift or second shift or third shift or whatever, get the parts done. And then he'll just have the race bike in there, and for long cycles on the parts, he'll set it up. If it runs for an hour, go work on the bike for as long as he can, and then go back to the machine, and he just fits it in whatever time he's got. Now, does he actually, do you guys drive to the races together? Or does he drive and you fly, or how does that work? Uh, we, we ain't got the uh, budget for me to fly out there at all the rounds. We're both uh, driving, and uh, I think I might, I'll probably be driving to California so he can wow. uh, stay here and get stuff done at uh, at the shop. And then he'd fly out for the races? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty intense. So tell us about, now last year, you were riding a Yamaha. You're doing that again this year. Um, there were a lot more Yamahas in the field. Uh, a lot of the Yamaha riders, or most of them except for you, I guess, switched over to Kawasaki's, I think, mostly. I don't know that it's, it was another brand because, you know, the Kawasaki, obviously, it's a 400. That's a little different. Did you guys – was there a decision that you had to make regarding sticking with Yamaha for this year? Was there a reason for doing that? Um, uh, you know um – for me, it was really uh, uh, not much decision. You know, like they had uh, done a great thing last year with the whole support program with Yamaha and Graves and, you know, had done so much for us with set up and notes and everything. And so uh, especially seeing that the race kit was going to come on board and, and that was going to fix a little bit down the Yamaha was. And especially with the new bike and everything, you know, uh, it was really uh, – no decisions had to be made. You know, we we're going to stick and be loyal to them, you know, when everybody else kind of switched up. And, right. uh, and we knew that uh, Moto America is not going to let uh, a bike that's legal for the class be not competitive. So we knew they were going to make it fair for all the riders. Do you, where do you think it is right now as far as balancing? Do you think that they need to do some more on it or do you think it's competitive at this point? Um, I'll know 
for sure at Road America if we have the new bike and race kit. And because uh, right now on the old bike, I can uh, if it's, if I'm by myself, it's a big difference. But when I'm behind them, I can stay in the draft, but I can't go by them. And so it kind of makes for some uh, risky passes coming from a little ways back. Mm. Have you, have you, did you, did you race with this Rocco Landers kid previously? Or is it, or is when you see him this year, is it the first time you've seen him? Um, I'd seen him before in California. Uh, I didn't really know him too well. Just kind of like a hay thing at a uh, Chuck Wall. Did that catch you by surprise with how fast he was, especially at Road Atlanta? Yeah, I was a little surprised um, in myself uh, also because um, looking at times from last year, um, it seems like everybody except for Rocco is, is going uh, a little bit slower than last year, which is kind of mm. surprising because the Kawasaki's are, are uh, faster. and. Uh, and the Yamaha I'm riding is the same, but the tires are better. So a lot of times should be better. Right. And we yeah, found that, that surprising at, then. at VR on Saturday. Um, um, tell us – oh, go ahead, Jackson. I was going to actually ask you a different question, but go, keep going. Yeah, we actually found out on Saturday at VR. I kept telling my dad that this thing is like power side and like a super bike, but nobody would believe me. And we finally checked the rear shock after qualifying. We were struggling and found out my preload was maxed out. So I had like a stick for a shock, and so I was wondering why everything felt different. Oh I couldn't man! Run the same times, but uh, now we finally got it figured out. Oh, so it was like that for Road Atlanta as well. Yeah, we're thinking when the chain broke, it tore up the reservoir in qualifying, and uh, when we changed the reservoir, it, somehow it must have just got clicked in because nobody's touched it since then. Wow! Just an honest mistake. Trevor Standish had a problem last year. He broke a chain. Is that something that happens in your class? It it's kind of unusual in, in other classes, I think. But you had it happen. Um, what what do you think about that? That was actually one of the first times that happened to me. But after that, <laughs> sorry, um, we swapped to the the bigger chain. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's like the five twenty instead of the four fifteen right. or four something like that. And so uh, it's a little more durable. I see. Yeah. Like I said, Trevor had a problem with it. I've seen it happen with some of the other guys too. So, um, okay. Now here's the other thing I want to ask you. Last year, I want to talk about last year a little bit. Um, we, You had that adventure with Valentino Rossi and we talked to, to uh, Corey Ventura about it. He was there as well. Um, can you just kind of tell us about that? I know it's been a year or so, but I'm sure it's, you know, maybe still on your mind and did, did, what was your biggest takeaway from uh, doing the VR 46 master camp? Oh yeah. It was still one of the best experiences I've ever had, you know, growing up, it's all about talking about Valentino Rossi. And, uh, when my dad told me last year I was going, I was like, stop playing. Like there's no way, but, uh, you know, it was for real. And, uh, I didn't believe him for a couple of days until he finally proved it. And uh, to go out there and just really see how the, those guys literally every second of the day, they're doing something to better themselves on a motorcycle. You know, they're all in all the time. You know, uh, you don't see them eating uh, many cheat meals or, you know, going out or nothing. Like, they're 
they're all motorcycles and uh you can definitely see uh why they're at the front did it change you at all as far as your training yeah um it's a little tough being here with the shop i gotta make sure i'm out there to help out but uh, i've been trying to use uh all of my day you know and uh, doing something productive and uh not wasting any time you know just uh always doing something to better myself mm. good i paddled with jackson he comes out here and uh when he comes to california i i get to see him and we get to ride down to the beach and back so he can experience how wonderful southern california is <laughs> he makes me pull he makes me pull him the entire time though i noticed that maybe that's different maybe that'd be well, different you know, now that he's gone to the vr school you gotta you gotta work smarter not harder so that's when, it. when paul when paul will, will go up front and pull i'm not gonna tell him to stop no that'd be silly <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to drop you but it won't happen apparently huh yeah it's like uh 30 easier behind him yeah, I I think I don't I'm not I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna be able to drop a 17 year old kid. <laughs> so you're you're saying you're gonna drive out west and you're 17. So obviously I know from working with other riders who are under 25, you you either can't or it's very difficult to rent a car. So you obviously are gonna drive a vehicle of your own or the family's. How what, how's that gonna work when you go out there? Yeah, we got the the race van. I got the Sprinter van. We got some rims on that thing, 12-inch subs, some 6 by 9s two beds in it, bikes in the back, and, and we pull a trailer. And uh, that thing, uh, me and Ashton took out to California beginning of the year without a trailer, and we got like 16, 17 miles per gallon. <laughs> you, you and Ashton Yates in a, in a truck. Uh, what was That's got to be nuts. I can't even imagine. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, we really didn't get to talk that much because it'd be like we'd drive five or six hours, swap out, one would sleep, one would drive, but it was really hard to sleep because uh, Ashton definitely likes his music turned up, and, uh, and that, the, the sub is right underneath the bed, and so I was <laughs> trying my best because I know if it was like he feels like he's going to fall asleep if it's not real high, and uh, I was trying to just make it. Uh, and then by the time I'd be driving, I'd, I'd definitely need a lot of coffee. <laughs> what is he? Does he listen to rap? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's my question is, this is what I want to know. Like when you and your dad are on, when you and your dad are on a road trip, I can't picture that the music taste is the same. So I want to know who gets to pick the music, whoever's driving. I, I'll, uh, yeah, normally I play my music and then I'll turn it up two or three notches whenever he stops talking. And then he'll turn it down too, and I'll go back up and turn it up one, and he just has to turn it back down that one or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, he gets the last word because it's his van. Absolutely, yeah. It, he used to race too, didn't he, Jackson? Yeah, yeah. He uh, used to race the Harleys. I remember that class. Uh, I'm not sure what year. I think it was like late '80s, early '90s. I think. Oh yeah. He raced probably with Aaron Yates and uh, Nigel Gale and even the Bostroms possibly back then. Do you? Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah. One time, my dad and Ben crashed each other out in the last lap, battling for the uh, win. The sad part is, I'm 
so old I probably wrote the story. <laughs> right. <laughs> I bet we'll look in the Cycle News archives and read your report on the Twin Sports. Yeah, I used to watch that a lot. I enjoyed it. Um, there were a lot of good guys that raced in that in that series. It was fun to see. That's cool. Or at least I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Ben. Or, I mean, it was one of them. Yeah, Eric raced. They both did. They both raced in Twin Sports. So, yeah. Does he? How much? He, I mean, he's obviously a helpful guy. I mean, I, I go by the pit, and he's working his butt off, and 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 the fact that he raced. Does he? I mean, it, he's obviously been able to pass on some knowledge to you that that's probably you know very valuable. Oh, sorry, I lost you there for a little minute. Could you uh, repeat that oh, one time? Yeah, no problem. I was just talking about the fact that since your dad raced and I've seen how hard he works at the track, he's obviously got to provide you with a lot of information, a lot of help. Yeah, you know, it's definitely uh, not like I'm showing up with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, you know, he's got that R3 dialed after last year, all the motors we went through. He could change a motor like it's nothing, like all by himself. And, uh, you know, he, he's real smart. You know, with uh, the stuff he does in his shop, he's been trying to teach me, but it's a bit confusing. So he's uh, definitely real mechanical, and uh, it's the same thing on the bike. I mean, CNC, CNC machining is an art form. I mean, it's incredible. There's a lot of numbers and variables you can put into that machine, but, boy, it's still quite yeah, – there's a lot of creativity that goes in, into that. So um, that's impressive that he does that and that you do as well. That's pretty imp pretty good stuff. Yeah, it's definitely fun getting to to learn that kind of stuff and uh, hopefully do more and more out there in the shop as I get older. I I got a question for you. Like, everyone has their favorites. Who who's of all the guys in the paddock? Like the older guys, superbike guys, this and that. Who who is it that you go to or that you have the best relationship for, or, or maybe who helps you the most out of, out of those guys, or who do you look up to the most? Oh, see, that, that's really hard, Paul. I don't think I can answer that because I, I, there's a lot of them that I like. And I know if right. I say one, then it's gonna, the other one's going to be like, oh, I see how it is. And I, I, I can't answer that one. I get that. but how, I, I like I mean, them all. Well, that's, that's a good answer. How happy were you to see that J.D. Beach won that race? Because it, it's funny because every once in a while there's a victory that that – or or a result that just makes everybody happy. Like when Kyle Wyman got second, I mean, it was just like, oh, man, it's, you know, everyone was happy. And then when Roger would win a race at a certain time, everyone would be just happy, like even if you were the guy that he beat. But I think we had that a little bit with JD this weekend. So, I mean, that obviously, is th th I think that brought a smile to everybody's face, and I'm sure it, 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 you were pretty pumped about that as well. Yeah, just to see a guy like him, you know, finally get that win. Yeah, I mean, speaking of JD, Paul, boy, I'll tell you, it seems like the entire paddock pretty much was uh, thrilled for him and happy for you know, and no, knows they they know what he puts into his program and how big that was for him. I mean, and how emotionally was so we we were all pretty excited, and and I know you were as well, right? Yeah, it's um, he's just he's just a you know, as you know, you've known him for a long time, like I have. He's just a special kid, and I think he. I think more than anything, people just know how bad he wants this and how hard he's willing to work for it. Um, not that the other guys don't work, don't get me wrong, because they do. But I think to a man in that paddock and a woman, um, they know that he works harder. And I think to the, I think sometimes to, 
I, mean, I think sometimes he maybe overworks, and I know he's been guilty of that in the past, and I think he's got his program figured out a little bit better. But I think in the past there there was a season there when, I mean, he just wants it so bad, and he and he and he's able, he's capable of working so hard that he can just kind of run himself into the ground. But I think he's got that figured out now, and I think also everybody knew, everybody knew how badly he wanted to get a superbike, and you know he got passed over on the Yosh deal, and then this Estes Estesen and and attack deal came to him, and it was kind of like. It was like somebody threw him a life, you know, a life preserver, you know, he just like, he latched onto it. And I think everybody, I mean, if you know him, you knew he was going to somehow figure it out and make the best of it and turn a situation where he might have not had a super bike into, into a season when he could do what he's done so far, which is, which is pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, I, I thought he would win a race. I thought he'd maybe win more than one race. But I didn't think it would be so soon in the season because I thought it would take him longer to get it sorted out. But I think everything sort of aligned for him on this weekend, you know, with this family stuff and, and the Gillums and, and all that stuff behind the scenes that, uh, that I know inspires him probably every day of his life. So that all came together and, and he, he did exactly what he needed to do on the day that it was meant to happen. And it was pretty freaking awesome experience, I think, for everybody. So I think that's why it was just so a popular win for even the guys that he beat. I know Garrett was upset, um, obviously, with finishing second because I think in his mind he saw that as one that kind of got away as well, given the circumstances with everybody else. But I think at the end of the day, he's probably given it some thought, and uh, and I think he, by the end there he was he was actually happy for JD as well. And that's a difficult situation for someone like Garrett because it's almost like um, – it made me think of it that day, actually. It's almost like a Kevin Schwantz, Wayne Rainey thing. They're not the bitter rivals that those two were, but they're obviously rivals. I mean, they're in racing against each other for a long time in super sport and going back and forth and being on the same team and all that stuff. And, and I think it's particularly hard. It's hard, it's hard enough to, to get beat, but I think it's really hard when you get beat by you know, your, your rival and he accomplishes something that you might think that you should have accomplished first, if that makes sense. Because I know, I, it's like when Kevin won the Japanese Grand Prix, I, that had a big effect on Wayne because it just did. I mean, if Kevin McGee would have won or somebody else would have won, it would have been different. But when Kevin Schwantz wins, it, it's tough. And I think, I think those guys are a little bit alike. So I think that's why it probably had more of an effect on Garrett than what a normal race like that would have. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's funny with JD. I guess you could almost say in some ways JD rides or is a little bit similar to Kevin. In fact, you know, Kevin was sort of so loose on the bike and he never knew what was going to happen. Whereas, you know, Wayne, I mean, heck, they used to call him Mr. Perfect because he would always keep the bike in line. And, you know, he had his moments because it was a 500 and they're a gnarly machine to ride. But, you know, he was pretty smooth all the time. And that's really Garrett's style, too. So it is, it is a lot like that. But but what a year we're having so far, and, and what a class super, the EBC Brake Super Bike class is with the fact that, you know, we've got, heck, you know, Josh Heron's already gotten a ride with, uh, or gotten a win with uh, Yoshimura after getting a ride with that factory team, and, you know, JD stepped up, and I, I think I think a win's coming soon for, for Garrett as well, and, and you know, I, we've got a stout class, that's for sure. There's a lot of good riders in it. Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we've had four different race winners. Um you know, I don't think anybody would tell you that Garrett's not going to win a race, and I think he will win a race this year. I think yeah. Matthew Skultz could win a race this year. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, and 
yeah, that's, that's pretty good when you have that many guys lining up and, and everybody has a chance to, to win. It, you know, it just brings so much more to the table. And the other thing you got to remember, too, it's like Cameron's in a little bit of a hole right now in the championship. But it's also got to make him happy to know that, like, if it was if it, if it was just him and Tony on a bad day, Tony would get second and and Cameron would gain gain five points on him. But yep. Cameron and those guys, the rest of the guys in that class know, you know, on a bad day now, you can lose a lot of points to your to in the championship to your rival because. You know, that guy could win and, and you could get fifth and there's a whole bunch of points in there. So from St- Cameron's standpoint, you know, he knows that, you know, you can make up those points. And from t- from Tony's standpoint, he also knows that those points can be made up just because of the fact that there are a lot of guys capable of going fast and fin- at the, finishing at the front. So that also makes it exciting to me because, you know, there's still plenty of racing and I don't think we've seen anywhere close to what how this thing's going to turn out yet. It just... In a way, you look at the point standings now, and you're like, "Oh man, Tony's got a big lead." But we've seen that happen before, and things are going to go Absolutely. up and down, and there's going to be a bunch of stuff's going to happen between now and when we get to Barber. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah, can't wait. Well, let's put a wrap on this. Um, obviously, we did lose. We did lose Jackson. I think he went fishing. So hopefully by <laughs> hopefully by now he's got a a dirty little big mouth bass on his line there, and he can uh, reel the thing in and throw it back and. And then get to work with his dad. So it was nice having him on the show. He's a he's a yeah, good kid great. and uh, he's a good little racer and he's always fun to talk to. So I yeah. will uh, I'll catch up to you next week, Sean. And as we gear down and bear down and get ready for Road America, which is always one of my favorite places to go to. The I like the food. I like the racetrack. I like the media center. I like everything about it. I like the people there. So I'm pretty yeah, pumped really to head that direction here soon. But in the meantime, you take care of yourself, and we'll talk again next week. And thanks for all our listeners. Our audience continues to grow, which keeps the bosses happy and keeps you and I employed. <laughs> so um, thanks to them, and just continue to uh, to tune in on Saturdays or whenever you listen to the show and however you listen to it. And, uh, and we'll talk again soon, Sean. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you soon. All right. No worries. You have a good day.